0: Hello, it's Stacey Holt from Real Estate Excellence. Thank you for joining me for this podcast relating to application forms and processing. We all would agree with me that in relation to tenancy applications, one of the key procedures in property management for sound risk management is the tenant completion of the form and, of course, the processing of it. Beginning with the end in mind is a very useful saying in a property manager's world, particularly with application forms and processing. The application form is a very important document in so many ways uh, and for so many reasons, Um, obviously protecting the owner, the agent's risk management, landlord insurance, possibility of a claim if a good tenant goes bad because of life. The document could be called upon if the tenant defaults and lessor looks to the agency and questions the agency procedures and alleges, alleges has to be proven negligence. Currently, um, an application form um, is not regulated in Queensland, it could be in other areas. Obviously, you would know your law. There is possibility in Queensland for that to change in future, with a future review, but we'll deal with that later. So, when you talk about agency procedures with application forms, I'm just looking at my example at the moment. um, Members, I'm in folder 05 at Member Online. Uh, Contact me later if you need, but basically, when you think about it, when the tenant's completing an application form and what the application form should say, they're obviously asking for a loan. Now, it's not really a loan, I know that, but obviously the landlord's investment is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more in most cases. So our office policy, of course, is that the tenant must complete at 100%. They must include identification. They must include uh, verification of income. Now, if a tenant is a company, a business that's applying, members, I've got a business application form and information in Chapter 5 of the PME manual. So what we're looking for, obviously, when we're looking at assessing an application form, it's got to be 100% complete, no blank spaces, um, unless it's not applicable, such as I don't you know, have a pet, or they should still put no. Now, in relation to pets on that point as well, most people have a pet application, and I think that's a great idea. Um, and obviously uh, asking for information about registration, uh, the type of pet, the size of the pet, and some people ask for a photo. Uh, members, again, I've got a pet application in folder 05 at Member Online. So what we're doing is um, assessing the tenant's ability to pay the rent and assessing their ability to care for the property. Now, most tenants are, um, are sending um, Application forms to us for a property, their future home. They would hope, and we hope too, that they're suitable and it will, all's okay. Uh, they're sending it via email electronically. Now, one of the things here is I'd ask the, I'd request a tenant to send through identification in colour, a photocopy in colour, and/or make sure you cite it before final approval is um, done. And with signatures, I wouldn't accept anything other than the signature on an application form. Um, that marries up with identification such as licence or passport. So the signature has to be signed properly as a signature. It can be scanned and emailed, but as long as the signature looks like exactly or as close as possible um, to the identification. Now, with fraud and identity theft and a range of other issues, but we've got to be careful for the landlord and for us and to protect um, us and our landlord. So our office policy... We can't process, begin processing until all required information that we request um, is included with the application form. Now, part of application processing, um, a a common, um, I, I guess, practice these days is Googling the tenant's name and also checking any social media accounts. Now, that's not a breach of privacy, this is public record. This is public information that they've allowed um, to be public. So you're not breaching any privacy, it's just part of your diligence of um, assessing the character and ability to care for the property. You might see photos on a social media that they have not locked down, that um, the dogs are running through the house or, you know, there's things you may find out that um, may not have been found out otherwise through the old traditional way of processing applications. So as part of um, processing an application, the, uh, I'm just looking at my example. First thing you do is check your tenancy database, so whether you use Tika, NTD or Barclay, the whole three, or others uh, that I'm not aware of. And uh, you print out, you'd use a checklist. I'm just going through my checklist, uh, Members Folder row 05, the Application Folder. The first thing we do is check the tenancy database and um, you can either print out the report or or save a copy of the report electronically. Just have records so that you can prove uh, diligence. If the applicant's listed on a database obviously you wouldn't proceed at this point and discuss with the lessor and or the tenant and just take the appropriate action. Queensland, uh, just as a reminder, it's a a requirement to have um, disclosures on application forms or with it to the tenant that you check databases, who you check and what you're gonna do with it, etc. Members, if you need more support on that, please contact us as part of Real Estate Excellence membership. So step one, you're checking the tenancy database, printing it out or electronically saving it. All's okay, great. Step two, it's an old banking term called uh, commercial consideration that's still commonly used. And we know with the Banking Rule Commission in 2018 and, and continuing and the outcomes of that, um, you know, the banks are cracking down on loans, etc. But in relation to rental, we're, we're sometimes limited to what we can check. So we are still tr- using a traditional method of the 30% rule. Now, there's no law on that. It's risk management. So you're dividing the applicant's week- weekly income, and I would do net, not gross, by 30%. And if rent's more than 30%, discuss it with the lessor and the tenant to see if they've got any more income they haven't disclosed, and um, make an assessment from there. Now, over the years, I've had many great career PMs say to me, oh, what's the point of personal references? I'm not going to say anything bad. Well, I'm going to say, and I always do and always will, there is a big point. And part of that big point is what more could you have done? You're taking all reasonable steps as a diligent agent to protect your client and to assess someone's ability to pay and care for a property. Now, I have scripts, for example. Um, Firstly, you're ringing a personal reference and you have three... um, um, Uh, steps you take when making a business call in my view, identify yourself, seek permission to continue and the reason for my call. Hi Jeff, it's Stacey Holt from Real Estate Excellence. Bill Jones has put you down. Oh, stop. No, I didn't do the three steps. Hi Jeff, it's Stacey Holt from Real Estate Excellence. Have you got a moment for a quick chat? Oh, wonderful. The reason for my call is Bill Jones has put you down as a reference. They're looking at um, uh, finding their new home through our agency to rent. So I've just got a couple of quick questions. And I've got a template for this and you're writing it down. The answers. you're not ticking anything, you're writing. How long have you known Bill for? Oh, great, 20 years. 20 years I'm writing down. Ever been to Bill's home? Oh, many times. Oh, every Friday night, a Barbie, whatever. Whatever they say in brief. And Jeff, if you had a rental property, would you rent to bill? And you're looking for hesitations and that, that could be Jeff's mobile just beeped or, you know, whatever it might be. But you're actually gauging the whole application. Your gut's very powerful. So you're not going to discount the tenant Bill based on Jeff going, oh, 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 because if he's the only one that hesitated, you've got to look at reasons why. So it's a whole application, not just that moment. How long have you known Bill? Ever been to his home? And if you had a rental property, Jeff, would you rent to him? So you're calling both uh, both references there for the applicant. Now... A lot of employers still are giving information over the phone about confirming employment. Um, Technically, they probably shouldn't because of the Privacy Act. Um, And more bigger companies now are certainly not giving information over the phone unless you give them a copy of your privacy consent, which, of course, should be part of your application. So be wary of that. So you're confirming if they do allow um, information to be given over the phone to you, the employer, Um, You obviously are asking questions, I'm just looking at my template. Can you please confirm the applicant's, um, not the applicant, but Bill's net income is $600 a week, yes or no? Can you confirm that the applicant's been employed full-time for five and a half years? Wonderful, yep, so you're just completing that. If someone's self-employed, verification of income, such as accountant details for verification, last financial year business tax statement or bank statement, something that... um, you can verify that a business uh, has income and an an accountant is normally a good contact. If they're not employed, seek evidence in writing, obviously, a statement from Centrelink or other organisation who pays the person's benefits. Every application form today should have confirmation um, or request, uh, sorry, for information so you can confirm their next of kin. And you're gonna contact the next of kin and all you're asking is, can you please confirm your address? And part of that is really just based on tribunal papers. If Bill ends up um, um, going bad because of life, Bill your tenant, and uh, you need to get documents to him, you can send them to Bill's next of kin, contact in case of emergency, private and confidential. So Bill Jones, private and confidential, care of Jeff Smith and and the address. So that's part of the procedure in relation to application processing. Uh, Chapter five PME members goes into a lot more detail and leads into other issues such as um, obviously approval, uh, discrimination and and, and so much more. So let's quickly recap before I say goodbye. 100% got to be completed, 100% all ID and verification of income has to be uh, part of the application of our tenants to begin processing. We don't process without that. We also know that we're assessing tenants' ability to pay and ability to care, and part of that, of course, is also um, uh, uh, looking at uh, social media and Googling their names. Also, other um, uh, quick tips uh, in closing is basically what you're doing is everything you reasonably can through number one, tenancy database check, number two, income check. They're the first two. Then you're checking every reference that you possibly can. You're not doing a tick-flick checklist. You're doing words, yes, no, 20 years, barbecues, many years. And that is your written evidence that uh, your agency is taking reasonable steps to um, make sure the tenant is most suitable. So I hope um, you've uh, gained some benefit for joining me for this podcast on application forms and processing. This is Stacey Holt from Real Estate Excellence. Bye for now.